Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey everyone, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty. I hope you're enjoying our podcast series as much as I do. The podcast is actually my side hustle. I do have a day job. My day job is as creative director and founder of Base Beauty Creative Agency based in New York. We are the omni-channel branding agency hyper-focused on beauty and wellness. Today's guest is Elizabeth Shirley. She's the co-founder of Influencer, an incredibly interesting woman. And if you missed it, please tune into last week's episode with Jessica Hansen. She's the president of Amore Pacific U.S. Hello, everybody. We are so excited to be joined by Elizabeth Shirley, co-founder and president of Influencer. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is so cool. Um, I first found you um, at an event. You were speaking on a panel at Founder Mead, and I looked across the room like, oh my God, that hair. <laughs> was it green or blue at that time? It I was remember. colorful, but there was something <laughs> about like all the texture and the length, and I was really smitten with it. And it, like almost a year later, I finally chopped my hair. So you were the inspiration for oh, that. Thanks. Yeah, I love your hair too. It looks good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm working through how to get my texture in. Um, so let's start at the beginning. How have you spent your day so far today? Um, I didn't really do much besides get up and get ready and come here. Uh, played with the dog a little bit. That's about it. So you're not a, I wake up at five, go to the gym. No, I was I was on Slack uh, messaging some people at work, but I don't get up at five and I definitely don't go to the gym before work. I'm more of a night owl. Um, I get, I mean, I do work at home, but I get up maybe like seven, seven thirty normally. Mm-hmm. And then if I work out, I'll do it after work. And do you keep your phone next to your bed when you go to sleep at night? I try not to, actually, yeah. I keep it in a different room and charge it. You charge it, like, mm-hmm. in the kitchen or somewhere else? Yeah. So I may charge it in the kitchen and go to sleep without a phone person, but my husband plugs it next to his bed, that next to the bed, so, like, I can always see that, like, you know, glowing. Yeah, same thing. I mean, that's what my partner does, too, so he's, like, attached to his phone. But I try to have a little bit of separation because I'm online all day. It's really hard. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I find myself, I want to like work through this, I think, in therapy, like longing for more messages to come in after like six something or seven something. Yeah. When I really kind of, I really want to be focused on my kids and, you know, the like going to bed routine and all that stuff. But there's part of me that just desires that like frenetic energy of what's happening on my phone. Yeah. Constant stimulation, right? Yeah. And um, when there's no messages rolling in, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Right. So I go through these periods where, um, like, late at night, it will be busy. Like, maybe we're, like, wrapping up a big project or something or a few big projects. And, like, we are kind of all go back on after kids go to bed to finish up work. And then I'll get conditioned for that for, like, a week or so. And then that will end. Nobody's looking for me at 9 o'clock <laughs> at night or 8 o'clock at night. And uh, then I remember I always have Bravo. Like, I have oh, yeah. housewives. You know, my staff is obsessed with the housewives. There's a housewives club at Influencer. And I don't watch it, but I feel like I know the characters in depth because they talk about it so much. So there's no Bravo for you? Um, I'm not much of a TV person. Um, I just moved in with my partner, so we have a television now. He loves TV. So I'm watching um, The Crown, which is really good. And I was into House of Cards before, but God knows what's happening with that now. Right. (laughs) Um, But otherwise, I I was never really a big 
sitcom TV person. You know, I used to be obsessed with The Bachelor like years ago, mm-hmm. and I was coming home every night <laughs> after work to watch it on Mondays. And after a while, I was like, what am I doing? This is so stupid. So I like got rid of it. And it was really funny because I was like, I have to tear myself away from this reality TV stuff. Yeah. I've, um, <laughs> I've really like, tried to intellectualize why I'm so smitten with this stuff. And what I think I love about it is it's I'm watching people behaving badly like all the time and I can't do that right like even if I want to right like scream at somebody I don't I have to like think about like what's the next right step right all day long whether it's with work or with my kids or my husband or you know you know just driving right but I get to watch people behaving badly all the time yes so incredible I mean I've heard good things so maybe I need to get on this I feel like it'd be a good escape (laughs) it is certainly an escape and see people who are crazier than you right (laughs) yes and that they like let it all they unleash it which I think is incredible so the first time we spoke you told me that you are a first-time entrepreneur with Influencer yeah right? um, and you're incredibly successful so do you have any thoughts on how you know the first time at that you were able to make this happen yeah I mean I feel a lot of gratitude because I do understand the failure rate um, and I think that at the time, I wasn't as focused on that, but looking back now, you know, I mean, I remember a lot of people who were starting out at the same time and were in a different place. Um, I think one thing that really helped me was actually working at a startup before I had my own. So I worked at a startup for like five years, and when I started there, there were like 10 people, you know? So I came in really junior, making like $25,000 a year, events assistant, but I saw the opportunity to really grow in this company. So I just dug in, started doing sales, ended up being like a top person there. But not only are you doing your role, but you're doing so much of everything else, whether it's like marketing, PR, like learning about what the CEO and president does. So I think that really helped me a lot. Um, I think another thing is that our idea actually came from like a need in the marketplace. Like it wasn't just something random. I thought, oh, I'm just going to do this, you know, like... I had a lot of experience working with beauty clients and listening to what they want, what was missing. They wanted data on people. They wanted to know like what happened when people tried their products, if they were spending money on sampling. So our idea was kind of born from that. Um, so I think that helped us. And then another thing I think is just for me personally, I took almost more of like a calculated risk. Um, I didn't quit my job right away, but my partner did. So I think that's necessary to have someone dedicated full-time, but we didn't have any money, you know? Like, it's not like we had investors or anything like that. So someone had to be, like, pumping money into our company. So we did a few tests and kind of saw, okay, do brands like this? Do people like it? It resonated, and then I decided to go in, like, full force. So those things, I think, helped in the beginning. Um, another thing I really believe in is that if we didn't do, I don't think we'd be... I'd be sitting here with you today, is uh, kind of this give-get. So selling as a new business, no one knows who you are or what you are. You have no experience, no history, no case studies. So it's not like I could go to a brand and say, like, hey, give me you know $20,000 and work with me. It's like, who the hell are you and why would I trust you? So I just decided, like, hey, I'm confident in my product. Try it for free. I know that they have money to spend in the future. Let me prove myself to you, and then hopefully you'll come back. So we had a few big wins in the beginning with, like, a P&G and Colgate, and, and things really kind of, you know, 
took off from there. So this give-get was test us out, try us out, we're confident that you'll love it and that you'll actually pay for it next time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that philosophy, I mean, it really, I use it today even. If, if I can't get in front of a company, it's like, hey, you know, why don't you just try it and we'll prove ourselves to you and, like, let me come in and present the results and then hopefully you'll want to work with us again. And it, it works. Do you um, see Influencer as... A- a media company or a service company? Like, how, how would you categorize it? Um, I see it more as, like, a platform. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our reviews are pretty dominant. I think about it like TripAdvisor meets Facebook for products. Right. So we have a community of over 4 million people, and basically they come to Influencer to, like, learn about products, talk about products. You can review anything. Um, but we're not selling anything, so it's definitely more of that, like, TripAdvisor model right. where you can come and get unbiased feedback, opinions, um, but at the same time, we're collecting so much data on people and what they use, what they're thinking about buying. So it's a great opportunity for brands to like get in front of people who are already reviewing products and talking about them um, and get them to maybe try their products and, and share what they think. Right. But you have this side where it's like sponsored opportunities, which yep. makes me feel like kind of like a media company in a way? Yeah, it is kind of, except we're not really creating any content. So that's how we're different mm-hmm. from like you know, anything under Condé Nast or like a refinery, like all the content on Influencer is user generated. So it's all about community. So they're really our authors. Um, I love this give get. Um, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about this a lot. It's sort of spinning in my brain. Um, like, should I, should I be doing that? But how can I, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, from a cost perspective, how did you, um, like, I guess, resolve, you know, what you need to what, what costs internally you have to develop this type of work for free versus, you know, I guess, risk-reward? Yeah, it's challenging. I mean, especially for us, we didn't have investors. So it was my money, you know, my partner's money going into debt. It's right. scary. But at some point, I mean, you just have to take risks. And the way that I would evaluate it is, you know, I'm not going to give a service to free for someone who won't be able to afford it later. Mm-hmm. It's more like... If you're talking about like a P&G or um, a Cody, right. you know, they own so many different brands. And if you get in, I knew this, if you get in with one, then you get in with all of mm-hmm. them. And also having the ability to say, like, I worked with this really high level company um, helps to validate you when you're pitching out to right. other businesses. So you have to be smart about it. I mean, you don't give things away to anyone. <laughs> but also, I mean, for us, we... We did this more, I mean, heavily in the beginning um, than we do now. Now it's more like, hey, I'm sending out a box of products and we have like one spot available. We've never worked with you before. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like an airplane taking off. Like, okay, jump in, um, try it. But in the beginning it was incurring more more debt and just trying it and seeing if it worked. But once I saw the model worked, like test it, you know, once I saw it was working, then I thought, okay, I'm going to bring this to more companies too. Right. So this would be like an agency doing a pitch, right? They're not getting paid for the pitch, but they're saying, like, you have oodles of work for us. If we win this pitch, then we're going to go for it. Yeah. Um, or even, like, a brand, right, a cosmetic brand or a skincare brand saying, I'm going to just push out a lot of free product to the editors and influencers and whoever and hope um, ultimately it will come back to me. Yeah, definitely. I guess we all have to give. Yeah. I mean, you have to kind of design it into your own business model. Um, and some things will make sense and some won't, but I always evaluate, like, what's the what's the gain if this actually right. works. And it's been several years now, right? How many years have you been in Seven business? years, actually, which is crazy. Yeah, congratulations. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Is it hard to get in front of people still? 
No, I would say, that's what I tell my salespeople, you know, like I have an amazing sales team. A lot of them have been with me for like four years. So they came out of college and they had never sold anything before, you know, and I remember in the beginning, they were like, this is so hard. But I thought, hey guys, you have no idea what it was like, but it was just me and my partner Aiden like going out. And I mean, I would stay up until three in the morning, emailing hundreds of people, like just the amount of outreach that I did was crazy, you know, and no one would respond or people would say like, don't contact me anymore. Like the amount of rejections were, were crazy. Um, at this point, it's definitely not hard. We get a lot of incoming business. We get a lot of repeat business. Um, but we're, we're pretty skewed into certain categories right now. So beauty is really big for us, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. I love beauty. Um, but we're looking to expand into new categories like food and, health and wellness and, you know, more mom stuff. Um, we also have men in our community, so we're even doing, like, a razor program now. Uh, but doing more stuff that is outside of beauty. So that's more of, like, influenced or introducing our services there. Right. So um, new frontiers, but these will be easier, most certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's still easier just because we have a reputation and there's a lot of companies. I mean, if you Google influencer, there's, like, so many results right. that come up and a lot of companies that work with us that make people feel confident. This is amazing, and I also love hearing that you had to, like, you know, I guess deal with tons of rejection in the beginning. I oh, am yeah. not a born salesperson. I think I'm, like, a door opener in sales speak. Like, I know a mm-hmm. lot of people. I have really nice conversations. What to do with that afterwards, like, really is, like, a mystery to me. I'm actually working with a coach to, to like, oh, yeah. figure this out now. Um, and we talk a lot about the scale, like, reaching out to, like you said, hundreds of people, not to just tens yeah. Right, that that's really what it takes. Um, but there's something that feels so overwhelming about it to me. Right? Yeah, it is. And I mean, I think I even talk about this sometimes with um, some people who work for me. Like, so that was, that's been my approach that I knew just because I started when I was really young. I was at a startup. And the approach was go after everybody, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> because you don't know who the right person is. Right. So I never had any barriers to that. That's kind of how I was trained. Um, it feels uncomfortable at first, for sure. And there'll be a few people who, you know, tell you, like, they'll yell at you or something, you know. But the the risk of that and the reward of actually reaching out to more people, because it's it's always the people that I was like, oh, maybe I won't pitch this person. They're the ones who end up doing something, so awesome. you know. Right. So once you experience that a few times, it's just like you get over the fear of rejection and it really doesn't matter. Um, but, I mean, even for us, like, there's so many different people at a company and you don't know who's exactly the decision maker. So it's always better to reach out to more. Right. Yes, it's very wise. And maybe this is the right conversation for me to be having at this moment, right? To like get myself more comfortable yeah. in this world. Um, so you've done probably every job at the company at this point. Yes. When we started, I was doing even like customer service, which I'm not very good at. I was taking things really personally in the beginning. Um, what there, kind of things <laughs> would trigger you? Uh, so I was working my ass off. Like, you know, I was working day and night. I had no social life. Like I was exhausted. I had no money. Um, I was blowing through my savings, like renting out my apartment on Airbnb, you know, doing everything to basically send people free products, right? So that's kind of like, (laughs) and some people were not, I mean, most members really appreciated and loved Influencer. I mean, that's how we grew. It was all organically, Mm -hmm. people telling their friends. We didn't spend money on advertising. But there would be like, you know, just a few 
people who might complain on like Facebook or something like, Oh my God, you sent me this product and you know, I hate it or something. I mean, very rarely, but like, it doesn't matter because I was managed like for me doing customer service and social, I'm reading every single post, every comment. And I just would take it personally. Like, Hey, you're so ungrateful. Like I'm working so hard. You're not even paying for this and you're coming and complaining, you know? So I just, there was one time I got into like, you know, an altercation with someone on Facebook. This was a long time ago. And then I thought, okay, I should not be handling customer service anymore because this is so not. So you went at it with someone, (laughs) you fell into that trap. A little bit, Uh yeah. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy, but too much, you know, I pride myself on being professional. And I mean, if someone did that on my team right now, I would fire them. So (laughs) Uh, you just have to not take things personally, which I think is an important lesson it was an important lesson for me then, mm-hmm. um, but it's also important even in the workplace. You know, like even the way influencer is, you know, the the culture is like very straightforward. You know, we talk about things up front, and I think you have to not take things personally overall in business. Yeah, I think that's a such a great lesson. Um, it's hard for me. I mean, maybe it's just hard for founders, right? Like mm-hmm. th- these are babies in many ways, our businesses, um, and when like a client's unhappy, like yeah. we all feel it in our gut. It feels like knives, right? Like mm-hmm. jammed into our gut. Um, if we make a mistake, which like hardly ever happens really, like maybe <laughs> like once every two years, like, oh, like the proof is wrong, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we just take it so like, it really becomes like a trigger, emotional trigger for us. Um, but I think that we need to learn to just like this is life, right? People complain, people have problems, you know. Yeah, and I think I mean one thing that I try to teach and and understand myself is just taking accountability and responsibility. Mm-hmm. So not everything's going to be perfect. There's going to be mistakes. Um, the most important thing is to own up to them and come up with resolutions on how to fix them. You know, like I try to do that. Like, even when that happened, I was like, okay, I am wrong. (laughs) You know, and there's times today where I'm wrong. It's like, I messed up, I missed this, you know, but we're going to fix it, especially with clients. I mean, the most important thing for me is for a client to look good in front of their boss. Like, that is Mm -hmm. my goal Mm -hmm. of working with everyone. And if we're not doing that, that really does pain me because I I want us to succeed for them. Um, So, you know, we, we definitely try to listen and understand what their needs are. You know, if something goes wrong, the most important thing is like, hey, this is what's happening. We're up front with you, but we're going to fix it. And usually that smooths things over. And what's your favorite job at the company at this point, having so many of them? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm like a salesperson at the heart of it. So I love, I love working with brands and understanding product development and like what their goals are of coming out with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get sold by a lot of these products myself. I'm sitting there and they're telling this story and I'm like, oh my God, I have to go buy it. Uh, so I think it's really fascinating, that world. So I do like being in like more consultative sales. Um, but however, like as our company's growing, you know, I've groomed a lot of people and it's definitely time for me to like move into more strategy and overall business partnerships, relationships. So I am shifting from that, but that's like something that's kind of in my blood. I love to close deals. Right. Okay. So I need to like have you as like one of my coaches at some point. Um, so you have a business partner, right? Um, how do you organize who handles what and is it ever messy? 
Um, so we came up with the idea together, and we come from pretty different backgrounds. So I think that's one of the things that helped our business as well. You know, he comes from a market research background. Um, he's way more operational than I am. Um, and then I come from more of like a sales business development, you know, I can do social account management and he's more handling like the tech side of the business. Um, and a lot of strategy as well. So we didn't really butt heads in terms of what we were going to be responsible for, but we're involved in everything. You know, it's not like I don't touch anything of his and he doesn't touch anything of mine. Um, and I think one thing that's really great about our partnership is we're very honest with each other. <laughs> Probably, I mean, it might scare some people <laughs> to hear us talk sometimes, but we're really close and we're like family. It's like we might be heated about a discussion one minute and then five minutes later, it's like, okay, let's go get lunch. You know, we don't hold grudges. Right. Um, but we definitely are both stubborn and passionate about the business. And I think that's good. You know, I, I need someone to challenge me sometimes. Like sometimes I'll come around to his side or vice versa. And do you share a vision? Like, is there ever like a, 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 mis- a misalignment of like where this is going? Um, I think that we've been pretty aligned on overall. Um, the vision's usually there. Maybe like how to get there, there might be disagreements right. sometimes. So, do, And you said his name is Aiden. Mm-hmm. So do you think that both you and Aiden had the same vision for where you'd be seven years later, seven years ago? No, I think that our business evolves. And that's the thing is both of us are very adaptable. And I think the, the thing that we really pride ourselves on collectively is innovation and like how can you make your business different and move forward? Because we're not even doing the exact same thing we were doing seven years ago. It's more like, hey, I'm listening to brands. This is what they want. So I would bring that to him. Mm -hmm. Or he might notice something about members like, oh, they really want to interact with each other. Let's add more social networking. So I think both of us are really having our eyes on the platform and also our team members too. And we don't want to be yesterday's news. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think like you always have to add new things. Clients always want it. Like what's fresh, what's going on. Um, Innovation is, is really important. So it is a constant evolvement, I would say. I love this. You don't want to be yesterday's news. I mean, nobody wants to be yesterday's news, but it's not necessarily like a pivotal guide for them, that thought. Yeah, especially when you're doing well. I mean, it'd be easy for me to sit here and be like, oh yeah, we're great. And you know, we don't need to do anything new. Like, no, we're constantly pushing our team. Like, you know, we need to add more features. We need to like add more products that we can sell to brands. Mm -hmm. Like you don't want to just be this one thing. And if anything, a lot of them are really hungry. Like, Hey, what else can we do? So it's really important. Otherwise they'll go somewhere else looking for it. So, um, why haven't you made the move into actually being a retailer, right? Like other businesses that have established themselves in the past 10 years, they started out with one idea and then they evolved into like, okay, we're going to sell this stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, what's kept you from doing that? Um, so we have been focused on creating this platform and community that's more unbiased. Um, we want to be like the ultimate place where you can come and really be a content provider for brands. And so we're very protective of that content. I think um, one thing that you see on retail review sites is a lot of people talking about like shipping and you know different things. So that was one thing we thought about. But also, we have products um, and partnerships with brands and companies where they can actually like sell on Influencer, but it's being sold 
you know, on their site. Mm -hmm. So, like, we're working with um, brands to drive their e-com business, for example. So there are, like, special deals influencers can get that no one else can, but it's more like we're developing partnerships with the actual retailer um, and driving them there, and then we get commissions from that. It's so smart. Who came up with the name Influencer? <laughs> that was Aiden. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And did you know it a trademark it right away? We did. Um, I mean, we didn't have a lot of guidance or money in the beginning, but we did We did do that. <laughs> there were a few things we did, buying URLs and, and trademarking. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love LegalZoom for that reason. Like, yeah. You don't need to be an expert. You don't need to hire an expert. Just get the trademark. Yeah. Um, it's sort of, I think, the uh, entrepreneurs like go to. Well, let's just go to LegalZoom. Yeah, definitely. So the name, it was funny when we started, influencer marketing was not around at all. And we... So the term wasn't used for that space seven years ago? It wasn't really. I mean, it was a new... I mean, everyone knew what an influencer was, but today it's something that's so different. It's so common. Right. And even selling influencer marketing, when we started, people were like, what is that? People are going to talk about my stuff. Like, I'm scared. I'm not paying them. Like, I can't control what they're going to say. But the name itself is so obvious, right? (laughs) I love it. Seven years ago, I'm thinking about the work we were doing in this space. Um, We called them bloggers. Mm -hmm. And the best you could get is to have your product featured in their blog there was um instagram was its infancy yeah like really infancy definitely um and the the traditional media editor still ruled oh they did and now that's a different world right (laughs) it's amazing seven years i'm just tracking this back because i remember i was pregnant with my daughter who's seven at a time we did like a huge clinic influencer project but the influencers they were bloggers yeah and it was totally a new frontier for that brand at the time yeah definitely and it's funny clinic is working with us right now oh good (laughs) um i love to see them continue to grow so um, let's switch gears for um, the last segment of our podcast. Um, when you think about your life and what you've achieved so far, you're this small-town Iowa girl, right? I am. <laughs> um, it makes it big in New York City. Um, what, do you, what does it make you think about? Yeah, I mean, my life growing up couldn't be more different than what it is now. But I think at the core of it, I still really resonate with growing up in Iowa. I'm from a farm in the middle of nowhere, I mean, you had to be self-reliant, self-sufficient, like even to get groceries or gas is like 30 minutes away. Um, So there's always this mentality growing up, like, you know, things don't just come to you, you have to go out and get them, like that really stays with me even today. Um, But I went to a school with 25 kids in my class, like in the middle of the field with like cows, you know, roaming outside. (laughs) So it was very different, but I always knew that I wanted to be in like a big pond. I wanted to try it. Um, I wanted to see if I could make it. So I was, I remember being in elementary school, like sitting under a tree and thinking like, I'm going to get out of here. I know I will, you know? Um, But I think what helped me do those things is just getting over fear. Like I have to do things that are scary and challenge myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Even picking a college. I mean, I picked like one of the largest universities in the country that was a plane right away. Like that was really scary for me at the time, but it really helped me grow. And then I thought, I just want to try New York City, like see if I can make it there. No job, no friends, no money. And I just came. So what do you think, like, inspired you to, like, desire New York? Like, I grew up in New Jersey, so New York wasn't far, right? It was, mm-hmm. like, a place that we went. And the movie Desperately Seeking Susan was, like, really, like, <laughs> kind of, like, how I imagined New York to be, right? Like, living in the city. Um, what what inspired this vision that New York was a place you needed to land? Um, I think I was... 
I've always loved traveling and moving around, and I was in college on the West Coast, and I just thought, you know, it's a little bit easier there. And <laughs> people might not like to admit that, but it is. <laughs> and I just thought, I want to be in this huge city. Like, I, I've always wanted to experience and just live there, at least for a while. I didn't think that I'd be here this long. Mm-hmm. I think I've been here, like, 15 years, which is crazy. But I just wanted to try it, you know? I knew it was, like, the ultimate challenge. Right. And do you go back to Iowa? Yeah. Um, my dad lives there, and my older sister, she was just here, actually. So going for Christmas, I'm driving there with my 100-pound dog. <laughs> oh, my God. So is this a working farm? Like, you're, they're growing stuff? Um, they're, yeah. So my dad was not a farmer, but we lived on a farm, and there were people, like, farming uh-huh. the land around us, yeah. And you weren't doing chores? Like, you weren't picking corn? No. I mean, it was kind of a weird experience because we grew up in a community of like farm kids, you know, they were in 4-H and they had cattle and I mean, I don't even know what the difference is between all of them, but you know, a lot of animals and, and going out and, you know, like trimming weeds and things like that. Like we weren't doing that. My, my dad is a musician. My mom was an artist. My sister was in ballet, like in Omaha, Nebraska. So that was like 40 minute drive. Mm -hmm. Um, but we, we still like lived in the environment, you know? So we got to experience it, but I, I was not like, farming myself. Right, but you're painting such a, like, a picture I see little Elizabeth under a tree, like, after school one day, thinking, I'm going to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't hear this, like, I can't wait to get out of here, like, a footloose kind of mentality. Like, No, not at all. I mean, I loved growing up there. I, I treasure it, actually, because we spent so much time outside. I mean, one thing that I still value, really, today is just being alone and having time to think. And, like, if anything, we were just super creative because you're in your house and, like we were always like painting and drawing and making clothes and like you know my dad was playing music and I I really enjoyed it and I had really great friends and it was fun you know I learned how to drive when I was like 10 in the field like it was (laughs) great (laughs) it's awesome well thank you so much Elizabeth Um, this has been incredible and for our listeners you heard some 80s movie references that I threw in there today Um, (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this interview with Elizabeth please subscribe to our series on iTunes and for updates about the show please follow us on Instagram at Base Beauty Creative Agency For our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.